Hey guys, welcome back to the Far Better Podcast. I am your host, Michael Clark. It is February the 21st, 2024, episode 8, season 7, number 136 all time. We're continuing our study with Pergamos, and today's episode is entitled Harboring Hated Heathens. I don't always use that type of alliteration when I preach, but I think it really does get the point across of what was happening in Pergamos. Notice verse 14 of chapter 2 in Revelation. But I have a few things against you because you have there those who hold the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things sacrificed to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. And you've compromised. Thus you also have those who hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. You have some there who hold. Are there some people in the congregation that are capable of destroying the entire reputation of that good church? Certainly. What if you had somebody who was known to be in an open and illicit affair and they wanted to come to worship every Sunday? Would you you be excited when they walked through the door? Or would you kind of look at that and go, oh no. We're going to be associated as the congregation that puts up with adultery. We're going to be the type of congregation that associates and puts up with fornication. We're going to be the type of people in the congregation that puts up with sin. There is a difference between having somebody walk through your doors and inviting them in. Can I tell you something that you probably already know, but it needs to be pointed out? There is nothing inherently wrong with the come-as-you-are mentality when it comes to worship. Certainly, we want everyone to come to worship, to learn more about the Lord, to learn about His plan and what He wants us to do, and we're not going to discriminate over anybody. And that includes race, gender, sexual orientation, and so on. But here's the difference. There is nothing wrong with the coming-as-you-are mentality to worship, but there is everything wrong with leaving as you were when you came in, if you need to change. I cannot sit... In a service, I cannot sit in a Bible study with my own Bible or with another individual and read something that God wants me to do differently and compromise and say, no, I don't have to do that. But we have a trend right now where it seems that there's more of an openness to the come-as-you-are-leave-as-you-are mentality. Well, as long as they're here, And it's not something that's just been happening, and it's not something that only happens with people that are not members of the church. 
This happens with members of the church sometimes too. When an eldership would sit down and say, ah, you know, we would have you preach on that subject, Michael, but you know how much they give. We know that they've got a problem, Michael, but do you know what they do for the congregation every year when they host a, a back-to-school bash or they host a massive event at their wonderful estate that they seemingly have? Do, do you know what would happen? Well, we know that they're wayward, Michael, but we're going to promote what they're doing anyway because maybe that'll bring them back. And certainly for a time, grace, love, and mercy need to be shown, but there comes a point when we're no longer being merciful, we're being complicit. Harboring hated heathens. How can you harbor that which God hates and pretend like everything is okay? You know, in Nazi Germany, when there were people who were going door-to-door looking for Jews to slaughter. There were people harboring those very individuals to try to save their lives. You know the diary of Anne Frank and how that story unfolds, unfortunately, for her family and her. But that's not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about Pergamos going on some type of holy crusade to save people from certain death By keeping them, we're talking about a church that said, we don't care what you do as long as you come here. And think about what Baal worship was. Baal worship had been condemned on multiple different occasions. In fact, in Numbers 25, verses 1 through 9, let's read this together real quick. Israel remained in Acacia Grove, and the people began to commit harlotry with the women of Moab. They invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. The people ate, bowed down to their gods, and Israel was joined to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel. And so he said, take all the leaders of the people and hang the offenders before the Lord out in the sun, that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And therefore Moses said, every one of you kill his men who were joined to Baal of Peor. And indeed, one of the children of Israel came and presented to his brethren a Midianite woman in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the congregation who were weeping at the door of the tabernacle. When Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, saw it, he rose from the congregation, took a javelin in his hand. He went after the men of Israel to the tent and thrust both of them through, the man of Israel and the woman through her body. So the plague was stopped among the children of Israel And those who died in the plague were 24,000. What about Numbers 31 and verses 15 through 16? Moses says to them, have you kept all the women alive? Look, these women caused the children of Israel through the counsel of Balaam to trespass against the Lord in the incident of the Peor, and there was a plague among the congregation of the Lord. Kill them. But keep alive for yourselves all the young girls who have not known a man intimately. As for you, remain outside the camp seven days. Whoever's killed any person, whoever's touched any slain, purify yourselves and your captives on the third day and on the seventh day. 
Second Peter chapter 2 and verse 15, we're told they've forsaken the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Beor, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. Finally, Jude one eleven, woe to them. They've gone in the way of Cain, have run greedily in the error of Balaam for profit, and have perished in the rebellion of Korah. These three people here, not great examples uh, to follow. The way of Cain, a way of rebellion, a bloodless way. Man's way as opposed to God's way. Balaam, he wanted money. If you follow Balaam, at least they wanted the money that came with that. Korah, they rebelled against Moses and Aaron. The sin of Balaam, the compromise that happened in Pergamos, led to idolatrous worship in teaching Balak how to trap Israel into sinning. And at Pergamum, they're eating things sacrificed to idols and committing immorality. We're told in verse 14 that they're committing sexual immorality while they're doing these things. And these acts and the teaching of the Nicolaitans, they were a stumbling block to those Christians. And so God gives them some counsel in verse 16. Repent, or else I will come to you quickly and will fight against them with the sword of my mouth. Even the faithful sometimes need to repent of toleration. Discipline in the church is needed. God doesn't take tolerating sin lightly. You recall 1 Corinthians 5, 1 through 6. Withdraw from the man. Withdraw from the individual that is leavening the whole lump. You know, to not discipline is to show a lack of love. For Christ, his body, the church, those who need it, and for ourselves. If we don't have discipline when we do something that is wrong, we're not loved. He gives them to close here some caution and commitment. He who has an ear, verse 17, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I will give him a white stone, and on the stone a new name written which no one knows except him who receives it. The hidden manna, Jesus himself. He'll give him a a white stone. Of course, we know the, the term white to represent the idea of purity, justice, nobility, victory, or joy. A white stone would be given by juries casting a vote of acquittal. A black stone meant you were guilty. Innocence talked about here then. A white stone would be given to someone who was freed from slavery and made a citizen of their province. Freedom. A white stone would be given to the victor of a race or a contest. Victory. A white stone would be given to a warrior returning from a victorious conquest. Triumph. Pure, holy, faithful. And upon the stone is a new name. The receiver knows its name. Revelation 19, 12, chapter 3, 12, 14, 1, 22, 4, 20, verse 4, and Exodus 28, 36 and following. The conclusion in regard to what the new name might be is diverse. You want to know it? Want to have it? then overcome. Lord willing, next week we'll pick up with this idea in our text takeaways with the city of Pergamos and the church there in Pergamos and some of the very things that they were not doing 
that we need to make sure we don't allow to happen to us today. Thank you so much for joining me this week. And until next time, let's remember to please God now so our eternity can be far better.